Welcome back to the Illinois Agronomy Update. I'm your host, Troy Kazire with Hertz Farm Management here in Geneseo, Illinois. And I'm uh, going to continue our series we've been doing on harvest updates. And uh, today we've got Jason McVicker with us. Jason is a field agronomist with Pioneer. Jason, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it, Troy. Yeah, and you've kind of got that, we'll call it north-central Illinois uh, uh, territory, I guess we would call it. So uh, why don't you, if you would, just take a couple minutes here and tell us, you know, what, what your role is specifically as a field agronomist and kind of outline your the, the geography that you cover. You bet. Thank you, sir. Uh, I cover basically that I-80 corridor uh, from about uh, Geneseo over to Morris, and then I... Uh, venture off of i-80 north and south about 30 miles um basically the field agronomist role is uh close with growers in the northern illinois district and then also i'm uh, in charge with training and bringing our reps and territory managers up to speed on different agronomic topics uh latest greatest products uh do a lot of field calls as far as going out and diagnosing things and ultimately trying to uh solve some of the issues that uh, mother nature throws at us every year and try to uh, minim minimize that risk as we continue to move forward and plan for that next year's crop excellent very good and there's oh there's never any shortage of those issues it seems like and and uh this this year was no no different uh and uh, I guess to kind of start off with, you know, one of the big things as we take a look at harvest in this area, uh, had a pretty major wind event here back in early August. Uh, talk a little bit about that, how that's impacted your area and, and what you're seeing right now. You bet. Yeah, there's no doubt that uh, across my geography that that particular wind event has kind of been the talk of the town for quite some time. And uh, spent a lot of time uh, flying the drone, trying to get a better assessment of impacted acres and develop harvest plans prior to harvest. Uh, various levels of damage, I guess, for lack of a better word. We had some that was crimped over and had some that was kind of willowed over. Um, fortunately, didn't see a, a whole lot of root lodging issues, but when we were getting 70 to 90 mile an hour winds in some, some geographies, it uh, definitely took a toll on the crop. Uh, encouraged individuals to get out there and get that severely down corn sooner than later because uh, stock quality, stock integrity has continued to kind of go downhill. And fortunately, Mother Nature did deal us a fairly decent uh, card in the fact that we hadn't gotten a whole lot of rain to uh, cause some different issues as far as those ears that might be close to the ground or uh, you know from uh, feeding into that header so harvest has been slow but everybody has been uh, very pleased with the way that it is feeding into the head a lot of corn reels got bought a lot of them are in use but it could be a heck of a lot worse. And then to kind of top that off, depending on what growth stage that crop and, you know, as far as maturity goes, guys have been kind of surprised with what they are able to, to put in their grain tank. Um, 
it's just a matter of taking it slow, taking it easy and uh, kind of getting through it is probably the biggest challenge. Yeah. And, and you, uh, you know, you mentioned stock quality. So even, you know, the, the, for a while there, it looked like the fields that didn't necessarily get damaged by that, by that wind, the, those storms we had in early August, uh, we felt pretty good about how they were looking, but now, you know, now that we've, uh, got rolling in the combines and we're getting out there in some of those fields, even those fields that didn't get knocked down, uh, are, are starting to have some issues with standability. Um, so why don't you, what, what are you seeing there, um, as far as stock quality and what do you think played into that? Absolutely. Uh, seeing a few different things going on and I'm sure everybody noticed that more times than not throughout the course of summer, particularly when we got into that July, August timeframe that we had a lot of haze in the sky from the uh, wildfires that we were experiencing out west uh, i'm a firm believer that that filtered light or lack of solar radiation played probably a bigger impact on a lot of our stock quality issues today than what we realized uh you know as that was going on and we had all kinds of potential throughout the course of the growing season you know even prior to those wind events and most of those cases, we had a very robust plant, uh, but that factory was limited in the, you know, in the amount of uh, energy that it was able to put into that ear. And ultimately that, that corn crop is gonna try to maximize production. So it is gonna put all of its energy into that ear. And if it's not making it through photosynthesis, it's going to start robbing that from the uh, the stalk and the root. And over the course of time, that's where we're starting to see more of the uh, stock quality concerns. Some other uh, things that I did notice is tar spots been an issue, you know, for the past couple years. Uh, 2018, we got hit pretty good with it. And this year, it hasn't been too bad. It came in late, but I think it's a compounding factor so if we had a little bit of uh grayer northern in there if we had that uh concern from a stock quality perspective from the lack of solar solar radiation uh tar spot kind of was the the last blow so to speak uh, but we are definitely seeing some differences in fungicide applications different hybrids with uh, different plant health characteristics and stay green. Uh, there's nothing that is immune to tar spot per se, but uh, overall plant health definitely is, uh, is different. I've got a lot of drone pictures that, that kind of represent that too. So it's, it's a challenge and, you know, we got to keep plugging along and any day that we have to get out there and get that corn out of the field, we need to take advantage of because it's not going to stand forever. Yeah, definitely. You know, like you said, you start stacking up all those, those little stresses, you know, tar spot really wasn't that severe, I think in that, in sort of that Northern geography. But when you add it to the, like you said, the lack of sunlight, when you add it to some of the other diseases, when you add it to the, the wind knocking some of it down and, and it, you start stacking up those stresses that, that really, really starts to, 
to take its toll. Um, definitely a year that that fungicide, you know, the ability to reduce that stress. I think fungicide is going to pay huge this year. And and I don't know. Did you have a lot of fields uh, with uh, with a double shot of fungicide? Are you seeing any differences there? I didn't have really a whole lot that did get two applications. Uh, the ones that did are happy they did. And it kind of goes back to uh, 2018 when we last experienced it. Um, you know, saw some very, very positive results from that split application. Uh, you know, biggest challenge there is, you know, how do you plan for that? Because we're we're so reliant on what environment we're going to have and what disease is going to impact the crop. And then it comes down to timing as well, but still trying to, to gather some information in that regard. But I, I did see positive results from fungicide application and uh, yeah, we just got to keep trying to, to learn more about particularly tar spots since it is relatively new, but uh, keep trying to, advance and and make good management decisions uh, as we move forward yeah absolutely now before we uh before we started recording here we talked a little bit you mentioned you'd been seeing some uh, uh some differences with regard to planting date and and some impacts there what uh you talk a little bit more about that you bet so when we take uh, a look specifically around the impacted fields from the uh, the wind events, we had a very good uh, planting season. Uh, stuff went in really good. We had uh, good soil tilth, very little uh, compaction issues because we weren't overloaded with a whole lot of moisture. But when you take a look at that planting date, and it kind of goes back to that full end potential, the early planted stuff looked awesome. And I had a situation where we had one field that got tore up real bad by the wind, looked like a steamroller ran across it. And the neighboring fields all the way around were standing relatively well. Well, when I did a little bit deeper dive into that, we were talking about a three week difference in uh, planting date. So kind of going back to that uh, stage of growth, overall potential, um, you know, that, that played a huge role in it. And unfortunately, the guys that did the right thing and, and took advantage of that early planning window uh, were the ones that uh, are out there with some challenging harvest situations. But uh, I, I think still, I think we need to be taking a look at pushing that planning window. And, you know, we always can look back and say, boy, we should have planted now or we should have held off and you just kind of got to spread your risk out, not plant just within a couple days, but uh, spread that risk to uh, try to minimize some, some challenges that mother nature might throw at us. Yeah, absolutely. As so many of these decisions we have to make, you know, before, before we know what that environment's going to be like. So what, uh, so just in general, what have you, what have you been hearing for, for corn yields? Uh, in general, uh, it, it ranges anywhere from about the the mid, you know, 140s all the way up to, you know, I've got some that really rang the bell, averaging about 260, 270, and everything in between. So 
you know, even the, the down stuff, uh, guys are feeling pretty good when they're, they're pulling out 200 plus and, uh, you know, it's just a matter of getting that grain in the tank. I think is probably the biggest difference. Yeah. Now, so you, uh, uh, when we, when we look at, you look at your geography there, I know a lot of areas of, of Northern Illinois had, uh, pretty, pretty serious rootworm pressure this year. Uh, has that impacted any of your geography and, and is, how's that impacted standability or, or yields? Sure. Yeah. And if you take a look at, uh, the geography that I cover, you get up along that, uh, I-88 corridor kind of, uh, Dixon area and we've been doing sticky traps collecting uh, adult rootworm beetles for the past few years and the one trend that we continued to see was we saw those populations increase we uh saw the scope of those beetles uh grow you know guys that say oh you know i didn't have a problem uh continued to trap and we we saw higher pressure and if you take a look at uh, the, the weather that we had, uh, the survivability of the corn rootworms was extremely high this year. So if you have that high population, you have, uh, you know, multiple year corn on corn, we definitely saw some situations where there was some uh, standability issues and things like that. And really, when we take a look at moving forward, there's no silver bullet out there. We need to use every tool we can if you want to continue to grow corn on corn. And that includes enhanced seed treatment. That includes, the possible, obviously, the trait is uh, still a very valuable tool. And then soil applied insecticide, and in some cases, I've even got... Uh, growers that are utilizing uh, insecticides to control the adult population. So there's no right or wrong answer, but one thing that I did see on those acres last year that had high pressure, those growers ended up rotating those uh, 20 plus year corn on corn acres to soybeans. And you get in that geography and everybody gets a, a little funny feeling about going beans because there's so high corn up there, but we're seeing some really, really good bean yields coming out and we're doing the right thing. You know, we're breaking that cycle of that particular pest and trying to get it back in check. And, you know, it's going to be something that we're going to have to continue to be on the lookout for and continue to manage moving forward because it can really, uh, you, you can feel good one week and then come back the next and uh, be scratching your head going, what's going on here? So there's no right or wrong answer, but I definitely think we need to look at it as a systems approach, similar to what we did uh, with some of our herbicide applications and layering that up and trying to throw everything we have at, at that particular pest. Yeah, absolutely. Gonna have to, gonna have to be digging down deep into the toolbox and making sure we're using everything. So, so speaking of uh, beans, this is probably a good place to segue. What, uh, what are you, what are you hearing about bean yields, and what, what kinds of issues are you seeing uh, in your area? You bet. Yeah, like I said, uh, bean yields have been extremely good. 
for the most part. You get uh, north of 88 and you start running into some uh, more droughty conditions versus south of 88 where we did get some timely rainfall. And, you know, you, you can have averages where it's extremely dry, maybe some lighter ground where you're in the mid 40s and you got uh, other geographies where, you know, you're pushing uh, 80 plus and it's just a matter of later rains to uh to fill out that top cluster of pods but guys have been very pleased with uh with the soybean yields they've been pleased with uh, the weed control uh, we had a uh, fair amount of e3 beans out there and once again that systems approach having the foundation down and then coming back with a timely post most guys uh, were able to keep their weeds in check and that led to less competition and uh, some outstanding bean yields. Yeah. And I, I think in, in general, it's, it's the, the impact of, of weed pressure on soybean yields is tends to be underestimated. I think uh, it's extremely important to, to, to start clean and keep them clean. Uh, that's, that's really a big deal when we, we talk about uh, yield potential. Absolutely. What, uh, uh, what about now you're kind of in that area where we, you know, really year in and year out, we're, we're worried about white mold and we're worried about sudden death. Uh, what, what did you see this year? Yeah. From my sudden death perspective, I think with a lot of the seed treatments that are utilized on the market today, there's, uh, no cure for it, but I think it's an excellent defense. So obviously, you know, variety selection is number one. And then we've got a high percentage of growers across the geography that do do the, the full boat treatment, probably more so this year. And I think that was just a reflection on uh, commodity prices and uh, helping drive that decision. And ultimately, that's an excellent agronomic decision to make, too. So sudden death has been, uh, I wouldn't say a mute topic because there is still some out there. Like I said, it's not a cure-all, but I was a little bit surprised. Early on, we had uh, conditions for white mold, and I was a little concerned there. And then the uh, the weather pattern kind of changed. But as we continued throughout the season, I was finding a few more pockets of white mold and it was across uh, multiple technology uh, platforms and offers out there, uh, you know, and there were even some cases where we were looking at a, a bean that typically has a really good uh, white mold tolerance that might have had a little bit more. So it was kind of a moving target. Now, I will say that when we did have those conditions, you know, that cool, wet environment and a dense canopy did have some growers that did two shots of approach fungicide and it made a world of difference. You can still find it out there, but I guess the, the one individual, he says, I remember 2009, I'll be danged if I'm going to go out and combine 19 bushel beans again. So that Yep. That past experience kind of led him to uh, to managing for, for that particular farm. And then he knew that it had a history. So 
very pleased with that. And, you know, as the season went on, those pockets that I saw earlier didn't expand anymore. So there's still some of those fields yet to be harvested and going to make an evaluation uh, at a later date. Very good. Well, anything else that we haven't hit on, Jason, that you're seeing out there or that comes to mind? I guess the the one uh, final thing, and it goes for both corn and soybeans, is early on when we were dealing with uh, some emergence challenges and maybe even some uh, some frost challenges on some of that really early planted stuff, is the industry's done an awesome job of making healthier, better, higher producing plants. And in turn, that causes uh, more residue. And I saw it in both corn and beans where if that residue didn't get uh, spread out evenly or if it didn't get worked in, uh, there were more challenges from uh, emergence and stand and, and things like that that I think we need to be mindful of. So, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, you kind of certain extent, and particularly when you're going uh, corn into soybean stubble, typically that's not a, a huge issue. You know, nine times out of 10, we're looking at uh, how do we manage that, that corn trash. But uh, I've seen it in uh, both rotations and it's something that we need to have uh, top of mind as we prepare for the 22 season. Yeah, absolutely. Residue management, you know, comes into play in so many ways. I mean, weed management, insect management, disease management, and, and its impact on, on getting that seed in the ground, uh, you know, getting it in the furrow with, you know, getting the trash out of the way. And so that seed can come up uh, evenly and, you know, across the field with, without, uh, you know, uh, uh, impacting, you know, d- delayed emergence and things like that. Uh, residue management really comes into a play, uh, in, in a lot of areas that we don't always think about. So yeah, great, great. Absolutely. Well, Jason, appreciate your time, uh, the information and the insight. Very, very helpful. Uh, and, and glad you were able to, to, uh, visit with us here. Um, Hopefully we can uh, we can get you back at some point and, and uh, we get into planting season and, and uh, see how things are progressing next year. All right, Troy, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, look forward to 2022 and uh, we'll finish 21 out strong and look forward to talking with you again. All right. Thank you very much again. And thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, remind everybody once again, harvest is going on, a lot of equipment going up and down the fields. Uh, be patient, be safe, and uh, we will see you next time on the next episode of the Illinois Agronomy Update. Thank you.